Well, good morning, everybody here in the building. Good morning, those joining us online. My name is Casey, and it's so good to be back with you this morning. And it's fun because whenever Monty's away, I get to come play. Like, I love coming back here. I love seeing some new faces, some old faces, not like older faces, but like people I've known from before. It is so good to be back here with you. Like Sarah said, four years ago, Meadows Church started. I, me, myself, my family, we were one of those families that came back or came here with Monty to start Meadows Church. And me and my family knew that we were going to help start Meadows and actually we're going to go plant a new church out of Meadows. And we've been on that journey, on that process. We're looking at starting Crossover Church next fall, so we're super excited about that. But it's been quite the journey. But it's always good to come back here. And I love hearing the stories. I love seeing the baptism videos. I love seeing and hearing what God's been doing. And I believe it's just the start of what he wants to do. I truly believe it's just the start. And that's why I'm excited. We're in this series called Ghost Stories. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something in us and through us today, but not just today, but each and every day going forward. Question for you all, have you ever done anything or tried to do something you just couldn't do it? Anybody here? Have you ever tried to do something, you kept trying to do it, and you just couldn't do it. I, 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 I'm sure some of you have been there. I've been there. I know I've been there. Or maybe a better thing is, like, who here has ever run, run out of gas before? Anybody ever run out of gas? You can admit it. It's fine. A couple people are honest enough to share. Run, I've done it once. One time, I've done it. Never again. Like, I just forgot to even check. Right? I forgot to check how much gas was even in my car. I was going all of a sudden, oh, crap. It happened. Like, Shoot. It's, it's pretty embarrassing, isn't it? Like, you don't want to tell people that. But it's okay. It happens, right? We, we all have been there. Follow-up question on that. Who here, when they heard that there might be a gas shortage, started filling up grocery bags of gas? Anybody here? One, oh, we'll, we'll talk later, so no worries. But we do some crazy stuff, right? This is, this is a sidebar. We do some crazy stuff when we hear there's going to be a shortage, don't we? Like toilet paper, sanitizer, gas, even like houses. Like whenever there's a shortage, we do some crazy stuff. But back to what we're talking about today, like, I've been there where I've tried to do something, I just couldn't do it. So me and my family, we moved to northwest Nebraska, back, northwest Omaha, back in August of, of last year. And we're in this cul-de-sac, we live at the end of this cul-de-sac, and my daughter, she's learning that on her tricycle, she can sit on her tricycle, roll down our driveway, and like kind of slowly turn down the rest of our street, and just coast down. And she loves it. So she's, she's rolling down, 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 down. She keeps going. All of a sudden, she, she ends up stopping. But like, she has not learned how to pedal yet. Like, she does not know how to pedal. So that's something we're working on. But she's stopped, and now she realizes she has to get back up. If she wants to go home, she has to turn around and get this tricycle, get herself back up this incline. I'll finish that story up in a second here. Um, same, around the same time when we moved, I ended up getting a flat tire. Who here loves a flat tire? A couple people. I can't, like, flat tires are the worst. Especially when you're sitting there trying to get this lug nut off, and it just won't come. Like, the wrench won't even go on, go on there, and you're, like, you're twisting, you're trying to get it off, and it just won't come off. I'm thankful that nobody was out there watching me get this tire off, because I couldn't do it. I might have said something. I, I didn't say something. I thought some things. I didn't say them. I thought them. So I'm thankful nobody was out there watching me do this. But it was super frustrating. I tried to do, I kept trying to get this, tire off my car and it just wouldn't happen and it was so frustrating I was struggling I kept struggling trying to get it off anybody been there before 
struggling, you keep struggling. That verse from Paul, when he says, like, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. Like, that, anybody been there before? That, that type of struggle? Like, <laughs> like, you're using all your strength to do something, and you just keep struggling and, and struggling, and you get frustrated and more frustrated, and leads to anger. I've been there. Maybe, it's, maybe you've been there. Maybe there's something recently with anger or with lying or watching stuff you shouldn't be watching, doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. Like, you don't want to do these things, but you keep struggling. And you struggle and struggle and struggle. And you feel like you're alone. You don't know how you're going to get past it, how you're going to get over it. But we're in good company. So, not just me, not just you. There was this, there's, there's this man, this disciple named Peter who in, in the book of Matthew, you could follow his story, where Jesus actually calls Peter to come follow him. He says, hey, Peter, leave, leave your job of being a fisherman. Come follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. And so Jesus calls Peter to follow him. And so Peter does that for three years throughout Jesus' ministry. And, and Peter, just like my daughter, had a highlight moment. Like my daughter, when she was going down that hill, all smiles and giggles. So Peter had a very similar highlight moment. And this is when, when, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say I am? He asked the question, who do people say I am? And they responded, some say you're Elijah, some say John the Baptist. They were all wrong. But then Jesus asked them, who do you say I am? Like, who do you say I am? And Peter says this. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. Right? You are the Messiah, you are the Son of God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. He didn't know this himself, but it was revealed to him. So, Peter, you were right. My Father revealed this to me, to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I think here is a pivotal point, a very highlight moment for Peter, right? You, like, I, I imagine Peter high-fiving the other disciples, right? I got it right. I did it, right? Yay, me. All smiles, all giggly, super happy, right? Simon's name's changed to Peter. All of a sudden, on this rock, not the rock of, I don't believe it's the rock of Peter, but on what Peter declared. Like, what did Peter say? Jesus, you are the Messiah. Jesus, you are the Son of God. And I believe it's on that rock, that the gates of hell will not prevail. Like on that rock, the church will grow. On that rock, we'll continue to move forward and, and the kingdom of God will advance. So it's on that rock. But Peter, you got it right. You declared this. My father revealed this to you. Definitely a highlight moment for Peter. But then things start getting a little harder for Peter. Right? Things get a little bit harder for Peter. Because shortly after this, Jesus starts laying out his plan. He starts telling him what's going to go down, right? He said, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be beaten. I'm actually going to be crucified on a cross. I'm going to be in a tomb. Three days later, I'll be, ra- I'll, I'll be risen again by, by, by God the Father. And what does Peter say? No, that's not, that's not going to happen to you. That's not part of my plan. Like, no, we need you here, right? And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. I don't know about you. I've been called some pretty bad things. 
I haven't quite made it to that name yet. Maybe you have. I've not made it that far in the name-calling business of someone calling me that. But here, here is one of those moments where Peter got it wrong. Right? He got it wrong. He was thinking humanly, in, in the human flesh. That, 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 that can't be the plan. Right? He says, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. So before, God revealed the answer to Peter. That Jesus, you are the Messiah, you are the Son. Here, the human flesh said, no, Jesus, I can't be right. You're wrong. You're not going to die. We need you. So Jesus replied, actually, excuse me, that was a big whoops moment for Peter. If we fast forward a little bit, he has a couple more of these moments. If you remember at the Last Supper, Jesus is once again telling them that Judas is going to betray them. He ends up passing out the bread. He ends up passing out the wine. And he tells his disciples this. Tonight, all of you will desert me. What does Peter say? No, I won't desert you. I'll never leave you, Jesus. Even after I die, I'll never desert you. Then Jesus says, Peter, not only will you desert me, but you will deny me. And Peter once again says, what? I won't deny you. Like, I'm not going to deny you, Jesus. How can I deny you? Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And we soon find out, if you fast forward the story a little bit, what happens? Denies him three times. Denies him three times. And something even before, before Peter denies him, something even more impactful happens. Because prior to Jesus being arrested, where, where does he go? Where do they go? To the garden to pray. Jesus doesn't go by himself. He takes three people with him. James, John, and Peter. He takes his three disciples with him. They go to the garden to pray. Jesus goes away from his three disciples, ends up coming back after an hour praying. And what are the disciples doing? They're sleeping. They're sleeping. They're sleeping. And what does Jesus say? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give us, so you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh, the body is weak. He says this to them. Jesus went away again to pray. And we returned to the disciples. What were they doing again? They were sleeping. Jesus says the same thing again to them. He goes away to pray for the third time. And the third time, Jesus comes back and the disciples are doing what again? Sleeping. You're catching on so quick. Good job. They're sleeping again. At this point in time, Jesus is like, whatever. The time has come. My, my accusers are coming to arrest me. So the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The body is weak. Without the Holy Spirit, Peter is going to continue to be weak. In all these moments of whoops, it was because of his flesh, because of his body. That's because the body is weak. But the spirit, once again, is willing. And here's the key. If there's anything you take away from today, anything at all, if you want to live a full life, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Like If we want to live a full life, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we're going to continue to be weak. 
but the Spirit is willing. And Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And that full life is a life of being full of the Holy Spirit. A full life is life with more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more goodness, more faithfulness, more gentleness, self-control. That's life of more spirit. That's a full life when we have those things in our life. And we need more of the spirit to do those things. So I don't know about you, I continue to struggle in my own flesh to love people more. I continue to struggle in my own flesh to have joy, to have peace, to have patience, to have kindness. I struggle on my own for those things in my life. But I desire those things in my life. I want more of those things in my life. And if I continue to do it on my own, my own flesh, I'll continue to struggle. I'll continue to be frustrated. But if I want to live a full life, I need to be full of the Holy Spirit. I need to be a full of the Holy Spirit. And the same is true for each and every one of you. And so something happens. Something happens to Peter where he goes from denying Jesus to declaring Jesus. And that is, like, today is a day we celebrate. It's called Pentecost Sunday. Pentecostal Sunday, when the Holy Spirit came, when the church is formed. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts 1. We're going to spend some time in Acts 1, verse 4. And this is what happened. This is what happened to Peter. And this is what can happen to each one of us if we'll allow it to happen. So Acts 1, verse 4. It says this. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has a time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Here's a moment again where the disciples are so focused on the, the physical things that they completely miss the spiritual. Jesus was never talking about taking over Israel. It was never about that kingdom. It was about his heavenly father's kingdom. I think so often we miss that. I know I do. We, we so, are so focused on here that we forget about there and how he wants to come to us in the spiritual realm of things. So Jesus replied, and I love what Jesus does. I think I say this every time I give a mess, but like, Jesus never, like, he never really answers their question. Like, like, he just has this amazing way of getting his point across. The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He was going to get power to do what he couldn't do before. Three times he denies Jesus. He was denying Jesus. Now all of a sudden he was going to get power to be his witness everywhere. Everywhere. So a complete change. Not on his own power, but on someone else's power. Right? The flesh is weak. The body is weak. But what? The spirit is willing. The spirit is willing. If you go to chapter 2 of Acts, verse 1, it says this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present, everyone who was there, was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. This is the moment where they, started, they stopped using their own power 
and realized they had this other power that was gonna, they, they were going to be able to do what God called them to do. And it's still going on today. That power is still present. That power is still available. That power is there for each and every one of us if we will access it. So Peter, the same guy that could not stay awake, the same guy who tried to stop Jesus from doing what he was supposed to do, the same guy that would deny Jesus three times, all of a sudden stands in front of this crowd and declares who Jesus is, what he did, and what he's going to do. And when Jesus did that, when he started preaching this message, what happened? I don't know if you don't know, but in Acts 2, it says this. Many people repented, many people were baptized, and 3,000 people were added to the church. That's not by human power. That's by the Holy Spirit's power. That doesn't happen when we try to manufacture it. That only happens when God is present, his spirit is in us and through us and doing something that we couldn't even imagine. That's when you look at that baptism video. I watch that thing every day because it brings tears to my eyes of what God's doing and what he wants to do in each and every one of us, not just here on Sunday, but every single day of our life. He wants to be present with us. He wants to be with us. He wants to give us that power so we don't have to struggle. So we don't have to get frustrated. If we want to live a full life, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. And we need his power to accomplish what he has purposed us to do. We need his power to accomplish what he has purposed us to do. And too often, we don't do that. We don't do what he's called us to do because we try to do it on our own strength, our own power. And we struggle. And we continue to struggle we continue to, to spin our wheels and we get frustrated, we get angry and we never do what God's called us to do. But Peter shows us that there's always redemption. Peter shows that we can stop relying on our own power, our own strength, and we can truly start relying on his power and his strength to do what he's called us to do. So back to the story of my daughter. Here she is, bottom of her cul-de-sac. And then all, it was like all of a sudden, she realized something. She realized I was there. Right? Like she was having so much fun, enjoying the time, and when she got stuck, when she couldn't go any further, she kind of forgot I was even there. But she realized something, that I was there. She realized I was there and I could help her. She realized that she no longer had to use her own power. That all of a sudden she could rely on my power. That I could help her get up the hill. Just an amazing thing, right? Something so simple. I think for me, I think for you, a lot of times we forget. We forget who's with us. We forget who's with us. We forget who's with us. The God who created everything and everything is with us. His power is available in his presence. But we need to be in his presence to access his power. For me, and maybe for you, I can get so busy and so caught up in what I'm doing, I forget that he's there with me and he's for me. And that I can come to him with whatever's going on, with whatever I'm struggling with, Whatever concerns, whatever doubts, whatever's happening, I can come to him 
and say, God, I need you. I've been doing this on my own power, my own, my own strength, but I truly need you. I need your power right now. I need your power right now because the body is weak, but the spirit is willing. The spirit is willing. The spirit is willing. The spirit is ready. It's eager. It's prepared. Are you willing to surrender your earthly desires? Are you, are you willing to realize that you are not strong enough? Are you willing to be in his presence? Are you, be, are you willing to rely on his power? Because the body is weak, but the spirit is willing. It's willing. It's there. His power is present with you and available for you. And back to me struggling, trying to fix my tire. I'm pretty sure if it wasn't for my neighbor, I would still be there today trying to fix my tire. Like, I just could not get that dang last lug nut off. It was so frustrating. But I think God knew, like, the house I should move to because my neighbor, like, oh, my gosh. If you know anything about me, I am not handy at all. Like, I am going to pay someone to fix anything and everything in my house because I will either have to pay someone to come fix my air or pay for counseling because I'm so mad and frustrated by what I just did. So, in saying that, I think God knew who my neighbor should be. Because my neighbor, like, he saw me trying to fix my tire. He probably saw I was struggling. And here he comes with this, like, NASCAR, like, like tire, like, car jack. He wheels that thing out. He has his, like, power drill with his different adapters. And he just puts it on there. And, like, five seconds later, it's off. So I'm just sitting there just in awe. Like, huh. Good for you. Good job. But I go in his garage, and he has every single tool that anybody could even imagine of having. I realize that this, this guy has unlimited resources when it comes to maybe fixing my car or fixing anything in my house. Unlimited resources. Amazing. How often do we forget that God has unlimited resources? How often do we forget that he's right there for us? right there with us, and he has unlimited resources. But we forget about it. We forget about it, that all we have to do is ask. All we have to do is ask. (laughs) And like I said, what Jesus said, the body is weak. Because here about a month ago, I've been working from home for, for quite a while since the pandemic started. And my car doesn't get driven much. It just kind of sits in the, in the driveway. I noticed after all the snow melted that my, my tires have a slow leak. Just a slow leak. Didn't think anything of it. My neighbor also has this like industrial size air compressor. Like amazing. Huge. And this core that's like miles it seems like. And he could take it from his garage all the way to my, my car and just fill it up for me. Me, I think, well, I don't want to ask him for help again. I don't want to ask him for help again. I'll just, go, I'll just go to the store. I'll just go buy one. So what do I do? I go and buy this little $50 air compressor that may, that, like, it, it does fill a tire, but it's probably better fit to fill up a football. Like, it's, it's not the most powerful thing. Like, the pressure in this thing is not that good. But here I am in the flesh, thinking, I don't want to ask my neighbor again. But not just that. The second part of this, I don't want to like I don't I don't want to hear what he has to say. Maybe 
oh, Casey, why don't you just go get a new tires? Why don't you just get new tires? I think for a lot of us, the reason we don't go to God and ask him for help is because first and foremost, we don't ask because of our pride. And the second thing is, I think we're afraid of what he's going to say and ask us to do. I think we're afraid of what he's going to ask us to do. Because he might, hey God, I don't want to be angry anymore. God, I don't want to be angry anymore. Maybe we should stop watching that TV show. Right? God, I don't, I can't stand my job. Well, maybe you shouldn't be so bitter to your coworkers. I think we're afraid of what he's going to say to us and what he's going to reveal to us. I think we're afraid of, that we're going to have to change something that we don't want to change. And once we realize that, hey, the problems we're facing, the moments we're stuck, are more likely our fault. We have to actually realize that and identify that. Like, like come to the understanding that it could be our fault that we're stuck, that we're angry, that we're mad, that we're frustrated, that we're struggling. It's in those moments that God can do his best work. Because when we're weak, he's strong. Right? When we are weak, he is strong. In our weakness, he shows up in a mighty way. In our weakness, we realize that we can't do it on our own, that we truly need him. We need his power in our lives. We need his presence. We need to be in his presence. And I think that's something that's been missed so often is Jesus' time in the garden. His time with the Father. I'm speaking for myself more than anybody else. How often am I present with God outside of my, my before meal prayer time, before I go to bed prayer? Am I willing to be in the presence of God? Because when we're in his presence, we have access to his power. And it's, we need his power to live out the purpose he has for us. And if we want to live out a full life, the life that Jesus that came to give us, that life to the fullest, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. We need to rely on him daily. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. I need his power daily if I want to live out what he's called me to do. And that's why Paul said, nail your sinful desires to the cross. Nail them to the cross because there's no room for the Holy Spirit in your life if you're full of those sinful desires. So empty yourself of them. Empty yourself of the things that you want, you desire. Those evil things. So you can be filled with his presence, with his power. And just watch what he can do in you and through you. And just watch what he can do in you and through you. Because if you want to live a full life, that full life is a life that's full of joy, full of love, full of patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. That's a life full of the Holy Spirit. A life not full of the Holy Spirit is a life full of anger, frustration, anxiousness, worry, doubt, living out of control. But if we realize that his power is available to you, if you said yes to Jesus, if you've been baptized by the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have access to the greatest power ever known to mankind. The greatest power ever. You have access to it. 
but we're just not aware. So become aware. Know that whatever you're going through, he's there for you, he is with you, and he wants to reveal to you that he is there. His power is available. And that the full life is available to you. The things he's called you and purposed you to do, you can do those things. But not in your strength, but in his. And that, my friends, is good news. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're here with us. You're for us. Now, you, you constantly want to do work in us and through us. That it's not just a moment that you're present with us when we make a decision to follow you. It's not just when we, we decide to get baptized, but it's every day of our life thereafter that we're following you, that you're doing a work in us, that we can go closer to you, we can, we can, we can draw closer to you, and you want to take us deeper. Show us what it means to follow you more. Show us what it means to truly be surrendered to you and to stop using our own power, stop using our own thoughts, but truly tap into your power. Tap into to your thoughts. Like we saying, we want to know your heart. And that's scary because that requires you to reveal our hearts, which are wicked, which are sinful, So God, I'm asking that you reveal those things to us. It's a scary place to be when we ask you to reveal the things in our life. When we say, search me, O Lord. Show me the ways where I've fallen short. Show me the ways where, where I wasn't following you wholeheartedly. Show me the ways where I wasn't drawing closer to you. I was actually drawing further away from you. So I don't think we want to see that. We don't want to know that at times. Because if people are here like me, there have been many times where I've fallen short. But then also, God, I'm asking right now too, to reveal those moments, those glimpses where we were actually truly following you. Where we were drawing closer to you. When those things, those, those fruits of the Spirit, when we were actually loving people, when we were, actually, when we were feel, filled with joy, of patience, of peace, of kindness. God, show us those moments as well. Because those are the moments where we're accessing your power. Those are the moments where we're truly dwelling with you in your presence. And God, that's what I desire for myself, my life, my family, and everybody here, is that we will dwell with you in your presence. That you will reveal to us your power. Reveal to us how you want to work in us and through us. And Father God, I truly believe the best is yet to come if we would tap into who you are if we would actually spend time with you in your presence so we can have access to your power because God the flesh is weak but the spirit is willing and God I want that power from the spirit to change me daily, to transform me. And that's the same thing I want for everybody here. To know you, to know you more, to know so they know how much you love them, that you're for them, and that the best is yet to come. This is Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, amen.
we're gonna come into a time of communion. And communion is important, but prior to communion, something needs to happen. It's the same thing that Peter preached, right? When Peter stood up in front of the crowd, he said this, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of, high, of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand, and the fathers, he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour on us. So that everyone know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. The same thing that Peter said when he proclaimed, who do people say I am? You are the Messiah. You are the Lord. The same thing Peter proclaimed there, he proclaimed here. So no matter where you're at, in between that moment of time, there's always hope. There's always forgiveness. God will still use you no matter where you're at. And he says this, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the Holy Spirit. So communion to me is a couple of things. First and foremost, remind me of what Jesus did for me. But not just me. For you and you and you. For everyone. That Jesus went to the cross for each and every one of us. <laughs> that he was nailed to that cross. He did what I could not do. He took our sins away. And that Jesus is Lord. We can't make Jesus Lord. I just want you to know that. Like sometimes we say, make Jesus Lord of your life. We can't make him Lord. Jesus is Lord, whether you like it or not. But are you willing to allow him to be Lord of your life? And that's some of your decisions today. Will you make Jesus Lord of your life? Will you make him your Messiah? Will, he, will you let him redeem you? Will you say yes to following him today? So that's one thing that communion does for me. And hopefully it does it for you. Maybe this is your moment where you say yes to him for the first time. We want to celebrate with you. We want to walk with you. We believe that's an amazing decision, but only the beginning of that decision. So say yes, making Jesus Lord of your life. The second thing that communion does for me is to reflect on my life. To reflect on my life. It says this in 1 Corinthians. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And it's when we take communion, prior to even taking it, this moment to examine my life, to examine my commitment to follow Jesus and where may I have fallen short. And it's even in, after saying yes, making Jesus the Lord of your life, there's still work to be done in me. There's still work to be done in you. This is that moment in time where you can reflect on your life, what's going on, where you've been relying on your own strength instead of his strength. There's moments where maybe you've been falling short. So I'm gonna have the ushers come forward they're going to usher you up to take communion. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up as well because we all need prayer. 
We all need prayer. So our prayer team will be up here. The communion team, or the, the ushers will be up here to usher you out. But don't feel you have to leave your seat right away. You can sit there and pray for yourself, examine your life. If you want to come up and grab the communion cups as they usher you up and sit back down, take time to reflect. Take time to examine your life. Take time to, to really dwell in his presence. Ask him to reveal things to you. It's amazing if we start listening to God, what he'll start saying to us. But the key is we need to start listening instead of talking. So take this time in communion. Let me pray for us one more time that the ushers usher you up. Father, I just thank you for this thing called communion, this, this remembrance of what you did for each and every one of us. And Father God, I pray that as, as right before we take communion, that remember that you are Lord, that you are our Savior, and just remember what you did for each and every one of us. And God, I just pray that that decision of that is, is a lifelong journey with bumps and bruises, ups and downs. And God, I just pray you reveal those moments. Help us examine our lives. Reveal those things that maybe we need to, to, to change. Those moments where we're maybe relying more on the flesh, more of our own body than the spirit. Reveal those things to us, Father. And don't just reveal to them. Give us the power to change, to truly change. So I believe there's people here struggling. They've been struggling for a while. And God, I believe today is the day that you want to take that struggle from them. They're actually going to access your power and struggle, and struggle no longer. And God, we give you thanks for that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I want to ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.